you know you are capable of more because you have a burning desire to get the absolute most out of your career and life, to starve your fears, to follow your dreams, and to realize your true potential. And we are going to do that together. This is the Own Your Career, Own Your Life podcast. Are you ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Own Your Career podcast. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I am all about helping you follow your dreams and achieve your goals to have a more fulfilling career and work the way that you want to work. And it's not always going to be easy. There are going to be lots of challenges that come up along the way, bad bosses, company changes, global pandemics, illnesses, deaths in our family, health issues, relationship issues, career issues, business issues, financial issues. There are going to be a lot of things that come up, and we're going to want to keep things going with our jobs, right, and try to uh, impress our bosses and our companies and work more and achieve more, especially if you're really ambitious like me. Well, we've got to make sure that we make time to take care of ourselves. We've got to make sure that we spend time on learning and development, on self-care, on growth. We've got to make sure that we know where we want to go in our career, that we have a clear direction, and that we we have set clear goals and we're actually moving in that direction. You know, I laid a lot of that out in my book, Own Your Career, Own Your Life. Talk about it here on the podcast a lot. And I have a fantastic guest for you today who's going to talk about some of these things like dealing with burnout, uh, developing more mental strength, dealing with major losses or challenges, overcoming some of those things, adopting a growth mindset, how to have the courage to follow your dreams even when other people think that you should do something different, and how to really take care of yourself along the way. This is one of my favorite interviews that I have recorded. Of course, my guest today is Karen Allen, and Karen is a versatile and talent, talented woman serving as a coach, motivational speaker, and author. Karen empowers highly motivated individuals and business leaders to harness the power of their mindset and develop the self-awareness necessary to overcome challenges and achieve their full potential. After the unexpected loss of her husband, followed by years of transformational experiences, Karen reclaimed control of her fate by rediscovering and healing herself from the inside out. Since 2014, Karen has been studying the human mind, positive psychology, and post-traumatic growth. Combine this with her experience and you have a trifecta that not many other speakers or coaches can offer. And uh, I met Karen years ago through a mutual connection on LinkedIn, interviewed for a podcast she was hosting many years ago. And then she reached out recently to interview me for a new podcast that she's starting. And as soon as I started talking to her, I knew I had to have her on my podcast as well. And so we recorded this interview live on LinkedIn and YouTube. We got a lot of great engagement and comments that came in from people that were absolutely loving it. It went a lot longer than I planned. I usually try to do these interviews about 25 minutes or so. This one's close to an hour because the conversation was just so fantastic. There's so many valuable gems in here that I wanted to keep it going and make sure I share it and publish it on both of my shows, this one and the Talent Development Hot Seat. Make sure if you like this interview, go connect with Karen. She's active on Instagram and LinkedIn as well. And her website is karenallen.co. And of course, if you want more direction on how to own your own career, I've got a book, as you probably know, called Own Your Career, Own Your Life. It's available on Amazon. As I record this, we just passed 200 reviews on Amazon, which I'm really, really thrilled and excited about and proud of. And we have many free resources on our website, including the five steps to owning your career and the top three questions to ask anytime you face a major challenge. You can get all of those by going to my website, ownyourcareerownyourlife.com slash bonus. All right. Now, without any further ado, here is my interview with Karen Allen. Enjoy. Hey, Karen, welcome to the show. I love how you came on. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know we were coming on like that. <laughs> 
Here we are. We are live on LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube right now, and also recording this for uh, my podcast, the Own Your Career podcast. And we're going to be talking about uh, career stuff, and specifically today, one of my favorite subjects, which is mindset and uh, mental strength and resilience, something that you are an expert on. And I want to start with asking you sort of a background question of why we're even in this place. What I've noticed and read and heard from others was that as a result of the pandemic in 2020, you know, and everybody going back to working or going to working remotely, not everybody, but most people in the corporate world working remotely, uh, productivity has been up. Uh, engagement has been up, you know, much to the surprise of many companies, but burnout and mental health issues are on the rise. In fact, I've heard like 85% of corporate workers are on the verge of, you know, overwhelm or burnout or something like that. I wonder if you could just share a little bit more of like, where are we in the state of like burnout and mental health for employees in the workplace right now? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's on everyone's mind, but kind of funny that it's on everyone's mind now. We weren't really talking about it before. <laughs> I think part of the reason is because we, I've heard the quote, we may be in different boats, but we're in the same storm. Mm -hmm. And so now we realize how important it is to take care of our mental well-being, not just mental health issues like illnesses and disorders, but like day-to-day -day stress and global pandemics. And that is why we're having more of this conversation around burnout because we are all going through it. And it, it, you can think about it kind of like we're firing on all cylinders, right? We are living, working, even doing school all under the same roof. And so we have just day-to-day -day stressors of what could go wrong in our perfectly planned day add to it, you have other people who you are not interchanging with, right? You are just like seeing the same people over and over again. So there's some monotony that's happening. But I think what really triggered all of this, it was really the sudden changes that happened. And we're humans who love to be eased into change. And for some reason, we forget that like, no, change usually happens suddenly. And so I do think that there's a there are different layers to this stress that we are feeling, um, but we are all going through it at the same time, which is why more companies are having that conversation. Yeah. And is there an aspect to it as well of, you know, the couple of things that I hear that really contribute to this are one, the fact that the work is like always there. And I feel like it was always there before, right? We had smartphones and we took our laptops home from the office, but even more so people were taking less vacations, right? And then the like what I always hear is the computer is always there. So I can always pop back in and do a little bit more work, get the kids to bed and then go back on and get more, you know, do more work. And other, my colleagues are still online doing more work, which means more emails being exchanged at all times of the day, right? Which brings more pressure. And then the other factor that I hear about too is this kind of loneliness, right? Where we're not around other people and that kind of triggers some type of anxiety or depression, I think, or, or whatever it, you want to call it for a lot of people that, especially if you don't even have a, a family in the house, uh, for some, we have kids and it's like overwhelmed with like so much stuff that we have to deal with. And for others, you know, I have friends who are single and live alone yes. or just miserable, right? Because they're just not around people. Exactly. Exactly. Well, 
uh, it's a couple of things. So one, productivity is up because the pressure is on. Like mm. people are putting the pressure on themselves and also companies living and working in this new reality where you can't just pop in or you're not having a, an off the cuff conversation about something that may be lingering, you know, whether it's a, a project or a deal to be closed or what have you. So we really feel this pressure internally. And we are also feeling this pressure probably from our leaders who are wrestling with their own pressure. Um, so that is why I think that productivity is up. Also, you have less time in between meetings <laughs> to just hang out. You are going from one Zoom to the next, maybe with a quick bio break in between, but people are packing meetings together because they think, oh, well, we can do a 30-minute meeting. And so that's another reason why we'll see productivity up is because there is a lot that's being done. But then the last thing is there's not a lot of other stuff to do. Well, at least there hasn't been. Now things are right. starting to open up a little more. But, yeah. you know, for the first 12 months, people were at home. They weren't going out. They didn't have kids activities. You know, again, maybe in some pockets of the country or the world, it was a little more flexible. But for the most part, people were bunkered down. And because of that, they were able to be on their devices constantly. Then the last thing I think it was, not everyone was fortunate enough to have a designated space to work mm -hmm. in. Now, some people were, okay? So we're just saying we're not, there's not one blanket yeah. statement for all of these. But if you don't have a designated space where you can turn it off, you can walk away from, you kind of find that every area of your home becomes your office. So it, it's hard to do that mental switch when you don't have a drive into the office and the drive home, you know, things like that, that kind of buffer your work time. But I do think you can still be productive and find that balance if you just follow your brain's normal rest cycle, right? You yeah. work for 45 minutes and then you get up and you go to someone's office and you talk to them about something or you run to the bathroom. If you can maintain that same flow at home, then you will be productive and you will build in that recovery time. Yeah, oh, it totally makes sense. And I, I feel that. And actually, funny enough, today you are the first of four interviews in a row that I'm doing. And so it's going to be one of those days where there's a lot going on with not much. You better build in that recovery. <laughs> got to build in that recovery time at the end of the day. That's okay. I finished by five o'clock. I've got one more phone call, then I'm going to the gym. And that's going to be my decompressed time where I'm like, all right, no more calls. Yeah. And I do that on purpose on Tuesdays. I put everything into one. I've looked at this a bunch and try to figure out what's the best way to set up my schedule where I can get a lot of things done and it's not overwhelming to me. And I like having these kind of batch days where I do a lot of yeah. interviews in one day and then maybe no calls on Monday or Friday. Um, so I want to get into some of the solutions. But before we do, what are we facing here? What's the risk on an individual level and an organizational level if we don't do something about this? I mean, you already know the answer to that. We're not going to survive this, right? You're not. So I think what where we kind of miss the mark in leadership is expecting people to be everything but human. We want them to go a million miles per hour, always be on, always be available. And I do see culture changing. I will say I see a great light at the end of this tunnel. But for so long, and there's some unlearning that's going to have to happen here, for so long, we were not treating people like people at work. Mm. We were treating them like doers, worker bees, you know, the job title that they were, not the person behind that title. So mm. what we risk 
is losing the people who actually move the mission forward. Yes, it is about numbers to a certain extent, but there are people behind those numbers. So what I think this has really allowed us to see is if we do not change, and listen, my background is in HR, so I feel like I've been screaming this for at least a decade. If we do not change the way we do business, which is to put people first, your business will not succeed. And there is a great Richard Branson quote that says, when you take care of your people, your people take care of your business. Now, it doesn't just mean with, you know, a really quick put together employee assistance program, right? Those EAPs, sorry, but they don't always bring that return that we're looking for. It does mean leading with empathy, giving grace and understanding, putting compassion into action when someone is, you know, going through a hard time and putting those KPIs to the side because you know there's a person who needs you to be human to human, heart to heart, connected with them, right? And so that's the solution. If we do not continue to move in that direction, business will suffer. It will literally fall apart. Yeah, I agree with this so much, 100%. Funny enough, yesterday I ran a clubhouse room with Tracy Sponenberg and Barbie Winterbottom and some others on taking a people-first approach to HR and getting rid of all those practices that are like, oh, we've got to live by the rules and do this and that. Like we've got to be thinking about our people and using empathy and taking more of a people first approach. Lisa Stannard uh, shared a comment in the chat here. Love that people are behind the numbers. And yeah, I've brought it up many times as well that we forget, you know, businesses talk about the financials and the numbers and systems and software, but it's people that make all these things work. And Mm -hmm. we've got to treat our people as humans, human to human, to heart, uh, as Lisa said, and as you spoke, otherwise we're going to risk losing people, right? Whether mm-hmm. it's to burnout or them just deciding like, I'm not going to do this anymore and they're going to leave. Mm-hmm. And actually, Andy, that's happening more often. That's really? that, that latter part. I'm not taking this anymore. I'm going to leave. And that's why I say if businesses don't get on board, <laughs> they're going to suffer because they're not going to be able to retain their top talent. Because guess what? Your top talent knows what they deserve. Your top talent knows the value that they bring. They know that they can contribute and they are also looking for someone who is willing to pour back into them. That's the caliber of having top talent. So if you want to attract top talent, if you want to sustain top talent, you have to treat them with the value that they deserve, that all humans deserve. But if you're wondering why this is going to lead to a spiral, it's because you're losing, you're going to be losing the top talent. Yeah, which we do not want to do, especially like catering to mediocre. Like we want to make sure that we're retaining our top talent. And I, I don't know what you see. I always hate it's risky to try to like predict the future. But as we're recording this in June of 2021, I am seeing us entering a renaissance in our global economy and a lot of jobs opening up and a real war for talent in the second half of this year because more jobs are being created and opening up. And a lot of people are going to start moving around like, okay, I've been waiting this out. Right. And now it's, it's time to make a move. And so I'm going to start looking for a better job because I'm not going to take this anymore. And we're going to see companies that haven't been treating their people well, start to lose a lot of that top talent. Are you, are you seeing that as well? Absolutely. And so, but here's the thing. So then the question becomes, okay, if there's going to be a war on talent, how do I attract them? Now, Mm. initially leaders are going to say money, we got to throw money at them. That's not it. That's never been it. And the reason why it's definitely not it right now, because 
we are living in a society where everybody is more innovative and they realize that for my own financial success, I'm going to have to think beyond the constructs of mediocre and status quo, which means I can have a job, but I have a side hustle too, because I want to do meaningful work or because this is what uh, fuels me, or it's going to help me get to my financial goals faster. So no, it's not going to be the money that you throw at an offer that is going to make someone jump. What's really going to attract the right talent is how you treat your people. Do you support personal development and personal growth? Okay. How do you pour into your people so that they're growing as individuals? Do you have different kind of leave, right? We have parental leave and maternal leave. Okay. Do you offer that flexibility? Do you offer a work from home now because people are going to want that? So there are so many other ways that you will be able to attract talent. Please do not fall into the lie that the only way you're going to be able to attract them right. is with money. It is not. It is with kindness. It is with respect. And it's with treating them as a full human, capable, reliable, and just trustworthy full human. Well, and I think you mentioned personal development and growth in there as well, which are becoming bigger and bigger. Everything I've seen, especially if you look at the younger generations, younger millennials, Gen Z, as they start to enter the workforce, you know, people always care about money. But I think the, the personal development factor, the question, am I going to be going to be able to grow in my career here is has become paramount, if not one of the most important things that people are considering when they're taking a job. The other one that we've seen as a, you know, especially as a result of the social justice movement in 2020 is people are looking for and demanding more diversity, equity, and inclusion as well. Right. And so companies that are not responding to that risk, either losing top talent or missing out on getting that great talent who are coming in saying, I want a great culture. I want to know that I can grow and I want to know that you're treating everybody equitably and that this is an inclusive culture where I can be myself, right? That's right. That's right. Exactly. People, at the end of the day, your people want to feel valued, safe, and cared for. That's it. Valued, safe, and cared for. And if you can provide, now here's, I love this book. Actually, I have it right here. Adam Grant's book, Think again. Oh my goodness. Have you started reading that one yet? I haven't. I guess I need oh, to. Oh, brother, you need to. You need to. Because here's here's what I love how he he breaks down a lot. But one thing that was a huge takeaway is that as people and as organizations, whether you're talking about again an individual or an institution, you are typically leading with values. Okay. Whatever those beliefs are in your system, in, in your core. When you lead with those values, you may find that you're faced with a challenge or a hardship or just like unprecedented times. You've heard that a lot, right? Yeah. And yeah. so the question becomes, who are you going to be when the stress is on, when the challenges are high, right? And usually what happens is you're leading with those values. But when times are changing, you have to really take a look to say, am I leading with my values or am I leading with my opinion? So right now, organizations and leaders have the opportunity to be crystal clear about their values as it pertains to their people. And if you truly care about your people, and if you really do say, oh, we operate with integrity, or, you know, we value the person, or, you know, inclusivity is a top mission about, if you say all that, you got to walk the talk. 
And that does not look like, well, we value our people, but no, you absolutely need to be in the office from eight to five and you only have a 30 minute lunch break. And we say that you can work from home, but no, you really can't work from home because we'll be judging you and taking a tally off to the side. Like, no, right. that doesn't mean that you value your people. So yeah. the big thing here is like what he's saying in, in Think Again is you have to make sure that you are clear on your values so that you can shape them to the times so that you are really anchoring yourself to truth and what is good and not what you think is right, but what's really for the common good. Mm, so important and that organizations are thinking about this. And it reminds me, you know, something I wrote about in my own book and what we've discussed on your podcast recently, that's not yet published, right? Not yet. <laughs> the what? idea of looking at your own personal values and seeing, do those match with how you spend your time? And the classic example I always think of is people always say, oh, family is the most important thing to me. But if you're working 80 hours a week and you're never home for dinner with your kids, which is fine, that's your choice, right? There's no judgment in how people live their lives, but it needs to be in congruence with what you say your values are. Are you living in congruence with that? And organizations need to be doing the same. Right, right. And in, in that case, the person may say, well, yes, yeah, I do care about them, which is why I work so hard. Mm -hmm. But that means that you're putting the value of the dollar above the value of the quality time. So it does. And this is, listen, this is heavy lifting, right? When you're getting into diving into like what you believe, how you're living it out, personal yeah. development, you are going to have to go several layers deep to get to the truth. But when you do that, and when you really step into that level of awareness and clarity, you can be more intentional about how you show up so that you really are leaving, as we talked about, the legacy that you desire. Totally. Okay. I want to get into some things on mindset and career and some things organizations can do to solve mm -hmm. some of these challenges, you know, get to some solutions. But before we do, I'd like to just take a step back and talk about your career you know, how did you get into all of this, you know, having more of these conversations, speaking, coaching, training on mindset and these other issues? I slipped and fell into it. I have no idea how I got here. <laughs> how we do everything in our careers, right? We, we're working and we look As up an and we're like, oh, you're like, I don't know. What? Yeah. Oh, someone asked me to talk about mindset. All right, I'll do some research. Yeah. No, you, you, you've done a lot of interesting things. You've been through some, some big challenges in, in your life. Yeah. So maybe share a little bit about your background and, and how you got to where you are today. Absolutely. Uh, well, I, you know, in all joking, I, I did not slip and fall, but it definitely was unplanned. Mm. You know, it was unintentional. I used to work in HR and recruiting. I had background in staffing and then I fell in love with recruiting. And then that introduced me to training and talent development. So what I found is I just love working with people and I loved teaching people the skills they need to be successful. And so in the corporate world, that was in recruiting. But then when I was 29, my husband actually died suddenly. He was a CrossFit owner and, uh, during one of his classes in 2013, uh, someone walked in and he was gunned down. So that was the moment where, I mean, I can't say it was that day that I was thinking, okay, what do I do with my life? But that was the beginning of everything in my life completely changing. And it just felt like what many people felt like in this last year, the big question is, okay, now what, now what do I do? Uh, Losing him actually was a ripple effect of other losses. I ended up losing my house, my car, my job. I lost so much. And my son, thank God, was my North Star and just kept me grounded and helped me to find that clarity of just, I want to be a healthy, happy, whole mom. 
Okay, what do I do to accomplish that? And anybody, you know, who's hearing this, it really, everybody hits their own wall. You know, yes, for me, it was tragic and kind of like a movie. I mean, I, I couldn't even believe that I was living through it. But when yeah. we all hit our own wall, we find ourselves asking that question of like, okay, what do I value most? And where do I go from here? And, and, and then what happens is you start building off of what you value most. So I decided after losing my job that I wanted to have the freedom and the flexibility to always put my son first. And that's why I decided to be an entrepreneur. I didn't have these, you know, big audacious goals. I'm going to create online courses. I'm going to be a speaker. I didn't even know what it meant to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> I was just yeah. like, I know that I want to be at every class event that I need to, or if he gets sick, I don't want to have to worry about having to call out and someone judging me. Like, Corporate America is not very kind, I think is a good word to use. for. We're getting back to that topic of yes. inclusiveness and letting people live their lives. For a right? single parent and working in corporate America, it is hard. It is really hard. So yeah. I wanted to step away from that, even if it meant that it was going to be a challenge. And I initially started talking about grief in the workplace, um, but you know, didn't really want to talk about that. And so there were a lot of companies though that did want to talk about empathy and compassion and how we show up for one another. And that was the beginning of what I knew I needed to do and how I was going to use this tragedy to help others. And honestly, it's just normalizing all of the mess that life brings us, having real vulnerable conversations. But then on the other side of that is talking about practical tools and solid advice and even giving that injection of inspiration to say, listen, I know that it doesn't feel good, but can I just tell you that you can get over this? And here are a couple of ways to do that. And so... I started shaping all everything in my business around giving people what I call inspo action, the inspiration and the action steps to get over whatever wall they are currently facing and to really just step into the fullness of who they were created to be. Because that is how you, that's how you experience an abundance of joy or peace, no matter what life throws your way is when you get really clear on who you are, on what you want, and how you can live that out. Mm, so powerful. And uh, you you and I have had a few conversations about this already, and you've been through some major, major challenges. I mean, we both have, a lot of people have, but you've barely been through some tough stuff. And to see what you have done with all of this and how you're using it to help and inspire others and that you're building the life that you want so that you can be there for your son is is so inspiring. I just want to tell you that, you know, first and foremost, what you're doing, you're, you're, you're living what you're teaching. And I want to go for a moment to that idea of dealing with this major loss, because I'm sure we have many people watching, listening, who have dealt with losses recently or dealing with a major challenge, um, whether it's losing a loved one or health challenges like I've been through. What are some things that you learned from a mindset perspective on how to get through something like that when it just seems impossible in the moment, right? Some people never get over mm -hmm. losing a spouse or a parent or a child or going through major you know, trauma or health issues. Mm -hmm. you know, what are some things you learned that that really the first thing that I learned, because unfortunately, you know, as I mentioned, my husband was gunned down and we still don't have a closed case. Don't know who did it. There was no resolution there. So one of the first things right. that I had to do was accept what happened 
And acceptance, this is a loaded conversation, but let me just say, guys, acceptance doesn't yeah. mean that everything is okay. Doesn't mean that it was right. Doesn't mean that you feel fine about it. What, what downloaded in me was that acceptance means you're acknowledging your starting point. There's nothing I could do, unfortunately, to bring my husband back. There's nothing I can do about my son losing his dad. There's, I cannot do, and it is absolutely out of my control. So I can either keep focusing on something that's out of my control, or I can focus on taking responsibility for my response. And in that case, it was taking responsibility for my healing because I was broken. Sometimes you may find yourself in a dead end job. Okay. Take responsibility for finding a new job. Maybe you're in a, in a toxic relationship. Okay. Take your, the responsibility on you. Can't change the other person, right? Take the responsibility right. for what right. you can and what you're bringing into the relationship. When we come from that perspective, at the very least, it feels like, okay, I can do something. I don't know what it is yet, right? Yeah. Right, but right. I can do something. So that was the first thing. And that's what I tell anybody who finds themselves like, what the heck do I do here? Accept where you are. It doesn't feel good, but then you can choose, okay, what would be a positive or productive step forward? I agree hundred percent. You and I are so <laughs> aligned on these things, right? And one of the things I, I love to talk about and, and teach and is that you've got to focus your energy on the things you can control, right? You can't control most of the things that happen in the world. You can't control your boss. You can't control your company. You can't control the economy. You can't control your spouse. You can't control your kids. You know, other people I mean, around right. you and what they do, right? Your kids. But you can control how you show up. You can control how you react to certain situations. You can control what you're thinking about and how you are interacting with others. And when we focus on that control, it brings and, and the responsibility, like taking responsibility for this situation. Like I didn't choose this. I didn't make this happen. The same thing I've talked a lot about with my cancer. I didn't choose to have cancer, but I'm not going to sit here and wish it away. I'm going to take responsibility. I have this now. I own it. And how am I going to deal with it and then move forward from there? And different, everybody's in different situations. It takes a while. But when we sit there, you know, kind of wallowing and like, I wish this didn't happen and complaining about it and blaming other people, then we're a victim essentially. And you know, you are a victim, right? In some respects of what happened, but we don't want to stay in that exactly. victim mindset. You want to be in that ownership exactly. mindset. What I found is like, so there's this trifecta and this is when I, when I'm trying to explain to people, okay, how do we get to that space of like being fully present and fully human? You have this circle of um, Im imperfect balance. We think that everything is going to be perfect, 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 but it's not. So just accept that like, I have to go with the ups and downs. Sometimes I will rest. Sometimes I'll be going hundred miles per hour, right? Sometimes I'll be patient. Sometimes I won't with my kids. Like just accept that there will be some sort of imperfect balance, but do your part to bring your life into balance. But then you have this other part and that goes into intentional choices. Sometimes we just make choices and we're not being intentional about that, right? We're not saying I'm going to do this because I want to create this kind of life or because I want to be this type of person. We just make choices because we're living on autopilot. So be intentional about your choices. And then that third part is inspired action. That's when sometimes you're doing what's right for you and you can't explain it to the rest of the world. But that's because your journey is unique. Two siblings could lose the same parent and feel completely different about that. So inspired action is digging deep. It's the soul work. 
It's really diving into your intuition to discover what is best for you. So what happens is when you have the overlap of imperfect balance, uh, intentional uh, choices and inspired action, right in the middle is mindful living. That is how you mm. live a mindful life. That is how you choose who you want to be, how you'll respond to things out of your control, what meaningful work you want to do. Like that, that's it. It's in that sweet spot. And man, let me tell you, when you get there, I tell people, I'm like, that's the flow zone. <laughs> that is when you are flowing and you are just like, I can deal with whatever life brings me because I have the mindset and the heart centered skills to get through this. Mm, I love that. You and I are so aligned <laughs> on so many things. Um, I love this idea of mindful living and getting the flow. And it's different for everybody, as you said. One of the things you mentioned there, and I'm big on as well, is that you choose to live the life for you, not the life for other people, right? And a lot of times there are things that we want to do in our career and our life that other people may not agree with. And I can imagine when you got to that point where you said, I'm going to go start my own business whatever that means, being a speaker, author, coach, et cetera, there were probably people who loved you, who were in your family, who said, you've already been through so much, go get a safe job, right? Go get a salary. And you decided to do something different. So the question is, how do you have the courage to go take that chance or go against what other people want for you to do the thing that you want? And maybe this can also tie into something else I want to ask you about, which is adopting more of a growth Yeah, mindset. yeah. You know, that is a very... It's, it's a hard thing to do, especially when you know you have people around you who you respect, who you love, who you know they feel the same way about you, but you have to just remind yourself. And I would do this daily, like even this morning. I'm like, no, 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 I know it's right for me. <laughs> and not because of any external uh, you know, naysayers, but even that internal critic, right? That internal critic that's saying, are you sure? Which I battled with a lot because I thought to myself, I'm a single parent. I need the stability of a corporate job. But I just feel like once you become open to really living the fullest life that's waiting for you, just by being open, there's no way that you could ignore that fire any longer. You can't do it because when you open yourself up, I, I think we're all connected. And I think when we look at how we live our life, you will be able to see how you impact those around you, right? Whether it's just a quick moment or whether it's a, a, a relationship. I knew that if I said yes to sharing my story, I knew that it was going to help someone. It didn't have to help everyone, mm. but I knew it was going to help someone. Then I found out along the way that that someone it helped first was me. I needed to say yes to what was right for me, not because of the career or the path or the, the purpose that was laid out in front of me, but because when I said yes to me, I found more of myself. I was able to tap into potential I didn't even know I had. Andy, we were just like joking about Canva. No, for real, I could be a graphic designer, yeah. okay? If this thing doesn't work yes. out, hire me for your website. <laughs> but like, I love but, it. But, I love it. But it's because I said yes to me and there were still challenges along the way. Like I joke about building a website, but I literally had web developers fail me and I had to decide I was going to learn how to build a website, right? I learned I had skills mm. that I didn't know. I had capabilities that were unleashed. And as I continue to just say yes to the things that were right for me, I felt more alive. And I know for a fact, the number one thing that anybody says when they hear me talk or we, we work together, they always say your energy. 
And I think it's because my energy, I know it's because my energy is pure. When I talk about this stuff, you can see I'm like, no, I'm telling you because I live this, guys. You need to know this. It really works. <laughs> and so I'm just saying that for anyone who's like, man, I'm wrestling with that. Please listen to me when I say this. When you say yes to you, you will say yes to the life that is waiting for you. You just have to say yes. Oh, I love this. And uh, we should acknowledge, right, that if you're you're saying yes to the life that you want and the career you want, which means that maybe you're making a change, maybe you decide that you're you're done with finance and you want to try HR or you want to get into marketing or maybe you want to start your own business or whatever it may be, that there's a risk that that may not work out, right? It, it might fail. And as a result, you might worry that other people are going to judge you or say, oh, you shouldn't have ever done that. What really drives me is that knowledge that I gave it a shot, right? I think at the end of my life, I'm going to be so glad that I gave it a shot. And also having that growth mindset to say like, hey, I can always learn. I'm always learning and getting better from every situation. So can you talk about, you know, how do you adopt more of a growth mindset? I know you're big on that and deal with, you know, the potential failure, failures and mistakes that, that I'm come so big on it that I created a whole LinkedIn learning course about it. So definitely go check that out. I know. Well, so here, I actually, I felt this and I had said this, you know, maybe just a couple of times in my inner circle, but then I heard LeBron say it on his show. And I was like, see, there's something to that. I never fail if I always give my all. I will, hmm. I, I, this is a pep talk to myself. I never fail if I always bring my all to the situation. Now, trust me, I've done launches and I had two people sign up, right? I've done workshops and there's only 15 seats that are taken in. And I've spoken to hundreds and I've spoken to thousands. But what I found is that anytime that it didn't feel like a home run or I didn't hit the goal that I wanted or I anticipated, I never felt like a, a complete failure. Sure. Don't get me wrong. I was disappointed. I was discouraged. I was wondering that what did I, but as soon as I got out of that, which is really like the ego <laughs> up front, that's the ego of emotion. Then I was able to get into that space where I harnessed the growth mindset, but huh, okay. I learned something new. I tried something different. And because of that, I know I created new neural pathways in my brain that will serve me later, mm -hmm. or I just built my confidence to say, look, you did something you were afraid of and you didn't die. So yes, you can do things that scare right. you, right? Like, so I always was able to, once I got past the ego of emotion, I was able to look at each of those scenarios and say, but what did I gain from this? What did I, and this is going to sound really, this is going to sound a little crazy and maybe even a little morbid, but I would do anything to bring my husband back, but I see how much I've grown because of that loss. And knowing mm -hmm. my husband, he's looking right. down, he's like, you go girl, yes, babe. Like, that's what I'm talking about. You got <laughs> and this. So, so that, and it doesn't make that yeah, easier yeah. because here's the thing about grief. Like I have learned that you never stop grieving. You just learn how to manage it in your life, right? And so as I am growing, as I'm learning mm. through my failures, as I'm tripping and I'm falling and not really sure how I'm going to get back up, I do honor the fact that this is my journey. And this journey, as long as I'm putting my all there, will continue to deliver the abundance that I have been feeling of joy and peace and success and love. And so what a growth mindset comes in is, yes, we live on this roller coaster of life. 
and you may put yourself out there and you may give your all and it doesn't turn out the way that you anticipated. That's normal. Okay. Let's normalize that. That success is not a win after a win after a win. As a matter of fact, it's never win or lose. It's win or learn. That is what it means to live with a growth mindset. Yes, absolutely. Oh my gosh, this is such good stuff. And you know what you talked about, you mentioned with grief, it never completely goes away, right? You are you just learn how to adapt and how to deal with it and how to make the most of the situation. And I think it's the same with fear when you're like doing scary things and getting out of your comfort zone and growing, right? The fear never completely goes away. It's so easy to look at other people and go, oh, they're fearless, right? They just have this so much confidence. They can just do anything. I wish I could be like them. They have so much courage. And I, have, I always want to remind people that like, courage is not the absence of fear. It's recognizing that fear and taking action anyway, right? And the fear never goes away. You and I both do a decent amount of public speaking. I think you more than I, right? And I would imagine, like me, you still get nervous before you go on stage, right? There's still that fear of like, oh, what are they going to think of this? But then we do it anyway, because we have an opportunity to make an impact. We have an opportunity to follow our dreams, to do what we want to do and to grow from the opportunity. That's correct. Um, And as a matter of fact, I taught myself a little mental trick. (laughs) Whenever I'm getting ready to speak, if I feel nervous, I tell myself, wait, you're not nervous. You're excited. Look, your palms are sweaty. You're excited. Your heart is racing. You're excited. Like, and I just started to train my brain to, instead of looking at it from a negative view, to look at it from a positive view. And guess what? Every time that I come onto that stage, virtual or in person, I'm bringing the excitement because I've trained my brain to bring that energy. Yes. All right. We get some great comments coming in. People, this is really resonating. Uh, Steven said it's win or learn. Uh, Lisa said fear is growth. Uh, I agree. Jumping in, diving into that fear, that uncomfortable situation. Um, Okay. We talked about a lot of stuff. talked earlier about the issues of burnout and mental health and a lot of people and organizations dealing with that. Let's talk a little bit about Mm -hmm. self-care and self-discipline. What's some advice you have for people on an individual level to adopt better self-care so that we don't burn out? And then on an organizational level, you know, for those listening who work in HR, learning and development, talent development, how do we help our people participate or or do more self-care so they don't burn out? Yeah. So the first part is like on an individual level, again, we talked about this, take responsibility for yourself, right? The way that I was able to think about this, because when uh, my husband Mm -hmm. died, I was thinking about, oh, I have to do this for my son and I have to always put him first. And that's what they why they tell us on the airplane, put your oxygen mask on first, right? So then you can help others. So that's how we should view self-care is we're taking care of ourselves so that we can take care of others from overflow. And it's funny, I just said to my best friend the other day, I said, remember when we used to think that mind, body, and soul was so woo-woo? No, 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 it's real, y'all. Let me tell you something. It is so real. Like you can bet your life on it. You should be because when you take care of your mind and your body and your soul, then you start to feel more alive. You start to feel more connected. You, you, and, and part of that is like, you have to pay attention to each of those areas because individually they matter so that they work together. Right? So you have to do things to nourish your mind and also recover with your mind. Same thing, nourish your body and recover with your body. And same thing with your soul. What this looks like practically is like for your mind, how do you nourish your mind? Me, I love to read. Uh, My son likes to do puzzles. I'll do some puzzles with him. I like learning. I love learning new things. That's a way that I'm nourishing my mind. How can we recover? Not being on technology, 
putting our devices down so we are not constantly stimulated, making sure you're getting enough sleep is good for your mind and bonus, it's good for your body too. So there are some overlaps in the habits that you can create, but it's very easy. Like when you start to put some rituals in place and creating some habits, you will actually find that most of that self-care is wrapped up in your everyday life right? Taking a couple of deep breaths and just want to touch on soul for a second. For me, I'm a Christian. I'm a God girl, right? Jesus is my homeboy, but I know that soul work is different for everyone. So what I mean by soul work is whatever you can do that connects you to the greater good. That's what it is because we are all connected. That's science, right? That's not biblical. We actually are all connected. And so when you think mm -hmm. about, okay, how do I how do I nourish my soul work? Yeah. That could be charity and, and helping others, right? That could be a random act of kindness. And then that stimulates gratitude and joy in you. How do you rest when it comes to soul work? That's like meditation and deep breaths because you're just letting all of that stuff go that can sometimes feel really heavy. That's why we call it baggage. <laughs> it can feel really heavy. We have to give ourselves some space to just rest and reset. So make sure you nourish and recover in each of those three areas. And then the second part of your question is like, how do we help our people? Very first way you do that is you lead by example. You cannot right. tell your people, hey, I want to make sure that you guys are getting some rest, but then you're always emailing them between the hours of 6 a.m. and 12 p.m., right? Like that's not leading by example. And then again, it puts the pressure back on them to right. match what you're delivering. So first lead by example and be very open about that. Be vulnerable. Say, hey guys, I'm taking a me day, a mental health day. But then also make sure you're giving your people the tools from an organizational level, mm -hmm. right? Make sure you're bringing in, whether it's speakers or experts who can provide the tools or you're doing some sort of um, like a wellness week was a great idea to make sure that they just getting the education and access to some of these habits. Usually our people just need to get an okay and to be pointed in the right direction. Once you do that, you can then cultivate a culture where mm -hmm. we make sure that we are taking care of ourselves so that we can also take care of others so important that we're making that space and we are walking the walk as well as talking the talk, right? We're, we're, yes. people and we're giving them that space. There's so many other things I wanted to ask you about, talk to you about, but we're, we're running out of time here. You mentioned earlier inspo action. Can you talk a little <laughs> bit more about what that means? Because I think that's something that's going to be able to, you know, it's going to help all of us. Absolutely. So as a speaker, I never wanted to be just a motivational speaker you know, okay, great. You feel good. Yeah. But then what, like, what are we doing? I'm a, I'm the type of person. So this is how I know I find my tribe when they're like, yes, give me some homework. I'm the type of person where I'm like, tell me what to do. Give me the three-step process. How do I get, and I, I didn't have that when I was grieving. I didn't have that when I was trying to figure out how do I take care of myself? Honestly, it really was just like things that were being downloaded in me and I would follow them and I would practice them. So the inspo action came because I was like, I know that my story and how I've gotten over things, it brings that hope. It brings that inspiration. And I never want to motivate because I think that's an external energy force and inspiration is an internal energy force. So what do I, what I want to do is invoke inspiration, mm -hmm. right? Not just motivate you. Now I always encourage people, but I'm going to add on the other side of that inspiration and those feel good, you know, emotions. I'm going to give you some practical steps. Because that clarity helps you to feel more confident in achieving a goal. So if I'm like, hey guys, 
these are the first three things that you need to do to get out of a funk. Bop, bop, bop. And I know that they work. I never teach anything. I don't, I don't know if it doesn't work. Um, but if I say this, this, and this, then I know that you have some sort of practical takeaway that you can apply and see results. So I just like to couple inspiration with action in everything that I do, a blog, an email, or giving a talk. <laughs> Love it. Okay. We, and we've given a lot of great advice here today for people and how they can take action and responsibility with their own careers. We've talked a little bit about how organizations can support people. One more question on that for, for people in HR and positions where they want to and can help and enable people to take more responsibility and own their careers and find more career fulfillment. How do we help our people with that? You know, there's a lot of people out there in the workforce that are frustrated right now. They haven't been doing the job or in the work situation that maybe they wanted to be in. How do we help our people take more ownership and, and have more fulfilling careers? Oh, this is a great question. I'm so glad that you asked that. I believe this, and but I also have seen evidence that this works. So you have to love your people. And by loving them, you just ask them, questions that you would ask a friend or a family member like hey what brings you the most energy what brings you joy what do you and what do you think your strengths are what do people ask you about most often what's something that you haven't explored but you want to like get to know them <laughs> don't just say hey we've hired you this is your job responsibilities and a list of responsibilities and your title go no 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 it's an ongoing conversation but the way that we help our people thrive is by playing to their strengths mm. and desired areas of growth. If you can play to those two, you will have somebody who is as invested in you as you are in them. And I would think about it from that. If you're not investing in your people, you can, you can be sure that they are not investing back in you. Mm. So think about it from that perspective. You're not investing in them. And then maybe they, you know, you're like, oh, I don't want to invest because then they're going to get so good. They're going to leave. I've actually heard clients say that. They're like, yeah. well, no, because then if we keep training them, they're going to get, what? Right. <laughs> yeah. What if you don't? Anyway, we'll play, leave that right? for another conversation. Right. But, but what I found, and this is actually a, a, a phenomenal leader. He is with T-Mobile, 15 consecutive years of top employee engagement and top performance. His teams have always been at the top because he always leads with love. Mm. He finds out what their strengths are and what their interests are. He helps them to cultivate those strengths and expand on those interests. And as a result, it is a give and take relationship because he's investing in them and they invest back into their role in moving the mission forward. So I would just say, ask those questions, find out what they really want to do, you know, see what brings them alive, like ask them and they will tell you and then help them get there. Such good stuff, Karen. This is amazing. Um, I have a few more quick questions for you before we wrap up, before we get there, for anybody listening, watching who wants to get in touch with you and work with you, where's the best place for them to go? Hop over to my website, karenallen.co. I left the M off to make your life easier. So karenallen.co. And I'm actually rebranding. I'm so excited. So you're going to see a website now that will be changing in about three to four weeks because I will be unveiling my new brand. Ooh, but still same website, right. karenallen.co. Save you time. Everything is a work in progress. <laughs> I love the brand. That's amazing. Um, and of course, we are live on LinkedIn as we record this. I know you can connect with Karen on LinkedIn. You're active on Instagram. And starting a new podcast soon, which which um, we could talk about, but I want to get to the last few questions. Karen, what has been your biggest accomplishment or proudest moment in your career so far? 
I have to pick one because I have two. You can give two. Okay, good. They'll be short. The first one was definitely when I taught myself how to build my website nice. because I knew then that I was fully committed to my dream. If I was going to teach myself how to build a website, I was like, oh, I'm all in. I'm all in. And But that ended up being a confidence checkpoint that I reminded myself often as an entrepreneur. Whenever I was faced with something that I couldn't do or I didn't have the knowledge or whatever, I would remind myself, girl, if you built a website, you can figure this out. So that's something. And then the other thing was actually um, in this past month, I have done everything that I've set out to do as a speaker, meaning I've wanted to be on stage, on stage live, working with organizations that really care about their people and want to, you know, give them an, an injection of, of encouragement, inspo action. Um, and I've also done some on-camera work where it's actually not my content. It's another company's content, but I believe in it so much and my energy matched their content. Mm. And I've always wanted to be able to do both. Because I don't think that this message is about me. It's not. It's about a movement. So whether it's me delivering content or sharing someone else's content, collectively, it just it advances the movement of everybody becoming 100% themselves. Love that. Uh, flip side, with a growth mindset, what's been one of your biggest failures or mistakes in your career? What did you learn from it? Well, I would definitely say I felt like I failed when I launched a course and I only had a couple of people sign up because it came on the back end of me, I was supposed to partner with someone and it was gonna be like this big launch to this huge list. And I had poured all, I put all my apples in that one basket. I didn't do a lot of marketing to my own. And so anyway, I've learned through that experience that I need to trust myself more and I need to use my voice and not just rely on other people and that really helped me to just see that like, Karen, you can do this because I was brought up in the online marketing of partnerships, partnerships, partnerships. That's how you expand your reach. That's how you get things out there. And so when I thought that the partnership was going to like sail this, this program to high moon, I was like, no, actually it didn't. And that's because I didn't also do the work that I needed mm. to. So huge, huge lesson. And yeah, I, I learned a lot through that. Yeah, great lessons learned. You work with a lot of people, I think, like I do in HR, talent development, learning and development. What's the biggest challenge or frustration that you see in that space right now? There's a lot of HR people who got into HR for people. And they then realize that it's a lot of paper, <laughs> not just people. It's a lot of policies and procedures and trying. And so I see this strain of the, of the HR heart of the people who are like, no, I'm, I'm in this to serve people, but I know I also have to keep up with creating policies and procedures and changing and, and all of the administrative work that really doesn't light them up. And to those people, I would just say, continue to follow your heart, continue to pour into people because everybody who has chosen, um, I think we're all uniquely created for our careers, right? Mm -hmm. So I would never be a doctor because I can't deal with blood or broken right. bones or anything right. like that. You are in HR because your heart is uniquely designed to pour into people in the workspace. So keep living that out. And yes, the other stuff may not be fun, but find purpose in that too. You're the catalyst for the people in the organization. Sometimes you're the voice for them. So just live into that space, continue to grow into that space. And also remember, like we need you. We need you. So keep being those advocates for your people. So good. Also looking at that HR learning and development space, is there a trend that you've been following or noticed that you think is kind of interesting right now? 
Well, I think the biggest trend is all the people who are leaving, mm. <laughs> you know, because people are leaving because they realize what really matters to them. And we talked about this earlier, but if, if what matters to them is not in alignment with what the comp, what, you know, the company is saying matters to them, it's not going to work. So I am looking to see, okay, well, where do these employees land? But more importantly, which companies are stepping up? Who's going to step up and say, yeah, this, there's this new workforce. Actually, I'm working on a course right now called the hybrid workforce. How do we lead across the, the you know, different environments? Some people are at home. Some people are remote, but not at home. Some people are in the office. And, and sometimes that's going to flex. It's going to change. I have clients who are like, yeah, we're kind of opening it up. You come in when you need to. So they're, the companies that stay on the forefront of that agility will be successful. So we're seeing a lot of articles coming. I get one, one, if not two, every week. Employees are putting in their notice. You know, it's the great resignation instead of the great recessions. Like mm -hmm. all of these different ways are trying to talk about this. And what I want to see is, okay, well, which companies are saying, no, we're here. We're here to stay. We're here to play. And we are here for the people. Great resignation. All right. Um, last question for those out there listening who are looking for more ways to accelerate their career success. What's one more piece of advice you would give? Ask yourself this question. Who do I want to be? We talked about this. Sit with that question for a while. You will be surprised how much you can align your work with the person that you want to be. There's this incredible shift happening right now. We have four or five generations sometimes in one workplace, everything from baby boomers down to Gen Z. And right in the middle, Gen Xers and the older millennials and even some of the younger millennials, they're shifting the way that we do work because they're looking for more meaning in their work. So if you find that, okay, I'm trying to figure this out, but I don't know where I am. A lot of my clients are Gen Xers and millennials. And they're like, I am trying to break free from what I've been taught, the status quo, just go to college, get a job, do the, to what's pulling at me. And so I would say, explore what's pulling at you because you can make a career out of anything. And the last thing I would say is, don't think of your career as a lifelong commitment. Think of it as the season that you're in right now and let your career align with your interest, your skills, and just who you are as a human. And if that changes, great, because you are changing and you are growing and you are evolving constantly. So of course, your career should grow and evolve with you. Karen, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of your wisdom and enthusiasm and passion <laughs> with us today. I have absolutely loved it. I know our viewers, our listeners got a lot of value out of it as well. So thank you again for being here. Website is karenallen.co. I know you're active on LinkedIn and Instagram as well. Karen, thank you again for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Andy. It's always great conversation. Right. That's going to do it for my interview with Karen Allen. If you want to find out more about the work that she does, her speaking, her coaching, her consulting, her website again is Karen Allen. That's K-A-R-E-N. A-L-L-E-N.co.co. You can find out the information there. She's also on LinkedIn and Instagram. If you work in talent development, come check out the Talent Development Think Tank community where we bring in a lot of guest speakers like Karen uh, to talk about their experience 
to share what they're working on and answer questions, open Q&A. It's, it's very much a community with interactive sessions and a lot of great conversations in the learning and development, talent development world. And Karen is going to be coming to speak in our community on September 8th of this year, 2021. If you want more information and to go sign up, go to talentdevelopmentthinktank.com. And if you want more inspiration on how to take ownership of your career, all the things that Karen was talking about, she and I are so aligned. And in fact, I think she was more eloquent than I am in how I talk about them. But our messages are so aligned. If you want more, go check out my book, Own Your Career, Own Your Life. And I have plenty of bonus resources available for you on my website, ownyourcareerownyourlife.com slash bonus. All right. Thank you again for joining. Have a great day.